Before we begin today's story, I want to take a moment to talk about how you can support this show and the work being done with the project. Everything I do is in joyful service of the same goal, to help people connect with their shared lived experiences so that we may heal together from the inside out. Asking for money, or any help for that matter, is not something that comes naturally to me, especially when I have a paying job and people naturally might assume that I can keep up with the pace. So instead of burning myself out, I'm practicing what I preach and asking for the support I need to keep going. In order to justify the time it takes to write and produce this podcast and its accompanying newsletter, I'm asking for your support. Your subscription for $5 a month, and that's it, makes it all possible. If you're a free subscriber, you get my weekly story project newsletter and my What's Your Story podcast episodes for free, delivered right to your inbox without doing anything at all. And it's important to me that everyone who wants access to my content can get it, regardless of their means. But if you're looking for something specific, more personal and connected, then upgrading your subscription for $5 a month is the way to do it. You get everything that I've already listed above, plus and add a new layer of interactive features beyond the typical podcast offerings of ad-free listening, such as full access to my regular subscriber Q&As, where each week I answer a handful of reader questions about mental and physical health, as well as share some of the deeper details from the stories you hear right here on the podcast. You get periodic Google Meet hangouts with me, bonus episodes of this podcast, and the ability to pitch stories and or ideas for the newsletter. Not to mention access to my full archive of content, and other fun extras like live chat sessions and more. Buckle up, because becoming a paid member of this newsletter and its accompanying podcast is now the best way to support my content and to become a more active part of the storyteller community. Even without using any of the new features I listed, becoming a paid subscriber means that you're committing to helping me grow this platform and share stories in order to bring people closer together and collectively heal from whatever troubles us. Divorce affects all of us. It's a life-changing event, similar to a birth, a wedding, or even a death. It changes the course of our lives. While it is true that your life will never be the same, it is also true that you can emerge from this event stronger, healthier, and happier than you were before. Many of us don't choose this path. It is chosen for us, yet it still becomes part of our story. That's exactly what divorce did for this week's storyteller, Ashley. Divorce completely altered the trajectory of her life. She began to connect with her inner child, who had been abandoned by her and most people she knew at a young age. And she stopped looking externally for justification. From Fragile Moments and Not Today Media, I'm JD, and this is story number 41 of the What's Your Story podcast, Big Miracle Energy.
expert, self-love mentor and social worker gone rogue. Really, I've just been trying to figure out truth, what truth is for me, what truth is for this journey we're all on. Um, I walk with others on their way home and they walk with me. My favorite quote is by Ram Das, and it's, we're all just walking each other home. So that's really what I live my life by. And I think my journey really represents that. Yeah. I love that. I, I don't know if I've ever heard that quote, but it's, it's quite a, um, like a comforting way of looking all at, at all that, you know, that, that oneness and the connectedness that we, we, we probably all have that we're just not ready to embrace altogether, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So true. I mean, I think <laughs> we, and I know throughout my story, there's often a lot of times where I just felt like I was the only man on the ship, right? The only one, <laughs> no one else was there to help me. Um, but in reality, that quote always brings me back to remember I'm not alone in this and yeah. really takes out the differentiating levels, right? Like we're all in this together. Yeah. No one is above anyone. No one is below anyone. We're all just walking each other home. And I literally picture that, right? Like we're yeah. all just hand in hand on our way home. Yeah. And it, I mean, it brings a whole new level to, of meaning to that. You're not alone. You know, I feel like that kind of gets watered down, I guess, if you will, at this point, you know, it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. no kidding. I, I, I know I'm not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can we go past that? Is there something more Deeper. to that? Um, so where does your story begin then? You know, well, ultimately begins at lifetimes and lifetimes ago, but the story we're going to talk <laughs> about today, I guess, like this, this lifetime I'm living in started in 1983. Um, and I say that because so often I share my story and I start somewhere else. And I feel like today it's meant to start right at the beginning. Um, I was always a child that was very outgoing and filled with this zest for life and curiosity. I asked so many questions um, that those around me really struggled with my light and, and not you know, maliciously or intentionally, but it was so bright yeah. and it was a direct reflection seeing now of maybe some things they really hadn't worked through themselves. Um, so as I grew up, yeah. I really started to lock that light up. And um, my father was probably the closest to me uh, in the way in which we viewed life. He was very childlike and just had this love and zest for life and very much lived in the moment, very present, very just, you know, a drop of a hat. Let's go to, let's go to the zoo. Let's, you know, go ride a motorbike. Let's (laughs) do whatever. Like there wasn't a lot of planning really with my father. And as a child, that was ideal, right? He was the most amazing being in my life. Yeah. And, um, but as I grew up, I start got to start to hear the other adult stories that people had about him. And it was really this story of he's immature, he's mentally ill, um, all the things that didn't make sense to me as a, as a kiddo, but it, it caused me to look back at myself and be like, Oh no, I'm a lot like him. Um, and really continued to become, uh, what society expected me to be and the people around me because of what yeah. I had heard about my father and realizing our similarities. Um, so I continued to lock myself up and at the age of 17 was in a really dark place and 
ultimately attempted mm. to take my own life. I was unsuccessful, um, but very close to being successful. And I know they say almost only counts in um, horseshoes and hand horseshoes grenades. And That's hand a statement that we yeah. have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. this was close. They read me my last rights. Um, and I, I thought my journey sure. here was going to end. It did not. Um, and it was actually 22 years ago this March, but, um, the doctor wow. said they could not explain it by medicine, but I was a miracle and I was going to live. Um, wow. six months after that though, my father was successful in taking his life. So, when I lived through that experience, my own attempt, I felt like there was a reason I was still here and it couldn't be be because of me, because I was unworthy to be here. Here I was, I attempted to take my life. I couldn't even do that right. Um, So I must be here to sacrifice for someone else. So it kind of became my mission that I... I needed to sacrifice whatever my time here was to ensure someone else's time was better. And then when my father was successful in his suicide attempt, that is when I knew for sure I needed to keep the Ashley uh, that was filled with life and happy and just so exuberant locked up, right? Because he confirmed that, yeah, this this is our reality. Um. I, at that moment, met my now ex-husband and his son, who they were going through um, gaining custody due to some issues with his biological mother. And I fell in love. I fell in love with Jaden, who is my son, my adopted son now. He was five months old. He had been through so much in his tiny little life that uh, most adults have never been through. And I dedicated my life to him. I dedicated my life to ensuring that he never had to suffer anymore. Um, and, and that was where my journey went. I really started to build this external, which was the family and the career and the home and all the things, right? Um, all the things, right. Yeah. Yeah. All the things I had all the things, and I thought it was the happiest I'd ever been in my life, the healthiest, the mental, most mentally stable, all of those things. And then at 32 years old, I was getting a divorce and all those things were being ripped out from under me. They were right, gone. Right. Yeah. And I couldn't find happiness within. And I, I self-destructed. I went through a, a very dark time was doing things I never thought I was capable of. Um, and eventually kind of was faced with, uh, kind of a, do we keep going this way or, or do we figure it out? Um, and I got in trouble yeah. at work and I had to do what was called reflective supervision. And this beautiful woman saw me and my light that I hadn't seen since I was a child. But she was able to see it, and she held the light for me to find my way there. Um, And ever since, I haven't looked back. It's really been a journey of (laughs) healing my inner child so I can get to the point of learning to forgive um, and continuously practice forgiveness and live in this state of just pure love and gratitude um, and understanding of, of where I'm going. And I mean, yeah. that's really my journey. Um, I have 
you know, also, I guess a piece I didn't share, I kind of skipped over because I often forget about it. Uh, but when I attempted to take my own life, I was actually diagnosed with bipolar. Um, so I was 17 years old, carrying a very heavy diagnosis. I think actually it was, heavy, they were right? just yeah. starting to allow that diagnosis at such a young age. I think it's still pretty controversial. Yeah. Um, placed on some very heavy medications and, by the time I was 20 years old, I was told by my therapist that I would never obtain a college degree. I would never have a career because my mental illness was too severe and persistent that I would not like, like my future was written in the stone Unstable. or whatever you yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so social security disability deemed me disabled, which is a very difficult thing uh, to occur. Yeah. And, and it did. Yeah. Here I was 20 years old and already my whole future has been mapped out for me by those around me. Um, and at that time, I kind of made it my mission that I was going to learn everything about this, this diagnosis I was carrying, yeah. but I began to identify with it. I really became a bipolar itself. And then I had a switch um, when I started, I found Ram Das and really uh, dove into his readings and lectures and uh, felt that there was a different way. Um, and after about a decade of carrying that diagnosis, you know, I was dismissed from all diagnoses. I don't take the medications anymore. Um, and, you know, I was, I was a child protection worker for over a decade, the highest burnout job there is, I think. Uh, and I obtained a four-year college degree, and now I own my own business, and life is absolutely beautiful, but I could have made that my life sentence. Uh, I really feel like, yeah, for me, that diagnosis felt like a life sentence. Sure. So, yeah. And especially so, at, at that age, too, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. Everything's still taking shape, right? I mean, it's not even until almost like 25 when everything kind of starts to completely hardwire up there and, and set things in stone. So you're still trying to figure it out. Your body's still trying to value your mind. And here's, like you said, somebody else telling you what, what life has in store for you without ever having a chance to, to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. And so, I think, yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, well, still today, a lot of people carry those diagnoses and, and believe it's a life sentence, believe there is no way yeah. out. And and I'm here to say that, yeah, maybe you will always forever have that diagnosis, but by no means is it a life sentence. I'm living proof of that, that you yeah. can move through it and you can create a different future for yourself. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. 
BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. Yeah. So, so walking backwards here, um, and I, it, I, you know, forgive me if like connection is the wrong word, but when your father, you know, is successful where you weren't, and success is even worse to say, right? But somehow that's what we've we've put on that. Um, that situation, do you, do you, are you a believer in that, you know, the sense that there's that, that connection of like, okay, that like, I wasn't successful and here's what it happened with my father. Is there a reason here that it, you know, went one way for him and another way for me or somewhere in between there? Is there some kind of like belief in, I don't know, for lack of better terms, there's a reason for everything, you know, did you, yeah. did you find a reason in that? Or is that not something that you look at at all? To find this, right? To find the message in the mess. Yeah. Um, I truly believe that that was a huge part of my journey that was necessary in this lifetime for me to be able to have the learnings and the understanding I have today. And I actually have yeah. written a chapter in a book and I titled it... Um, earthly hugs and soul kisses. And it's a, a letter to my father. And it was very much a part of my healing journey. And it was kind of that final letter yeah. of this was my view of our, our journey together well on earth. And this is where the journey is at now. And this is how I've turned our mess into a message um, and how yeah. I'm living the legacy that essentially you started. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then you have a couple different, like, you know, timelines as far as how the world, you know, views mental illness that, you know, here you are, like as you mentioned, your father had this, this, this personality and this, you know, what we look at, you know, today is like, yeah, like we want, we want a parent to be like that. Number one, we definitely would love to see more dads viewed in this, like, you know, just spontaneous and not so serious. And yes, there's all this love, but you viewed him as that. And then, you know, the world tells you that, no, he's, you know, mentally ill. And that explains all these behaviors you thought were wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, and then as your, and, and then your own journey kind of intertwines there and world is telling you that you're bipolar and here's what that means for you. And then here you are today with how the things have you. So you have all these like, like points on a timeline as far as just how we see mental mm -hmm. illness, you know, how do you now look back at all those things and, and what can we, what have you learned from that? Number one, but number two, what do you think that, that we need to see as, as, as a society, you know, differently with all this? You know, I, I'm just going to profess with this. These are my beliefs. So by no means am I a doctor sure. or whatever, but my experience has been that 
with mental illness, we place such, even though we're moving out of the state of a stigma, right? Where there's a big movement, there's no more stigma on mental yeah. health. We're still using it very much as a, a labeling method, right? And when I feel like when we label ourselves, yeah. we take on that entire essence of something that maybe only a small piece fits with us. And just because it fits yeah. in that moment does not by any means mean it's going to fit in a year from now or a year and a half from now. And it's like we pigeonhole ourselves into this is what my future looks like because I, I have, I mean, ADHD, for example, right now, I just, I went to a networking group earlier and almost every single woman said there, you know, my business is got this going on because I've got ADHD and I've got ADHD. And if you really ask them, do you really have this diagnosis? Most likely they don't actually have a DSM diagnosis. (laughs) Um, But because they have multiple ideas, therefore it means they have ADHD, right? So we're even labeling ourselves when we don't actually have a DSM diagnosis. But to me, that's the first step in pigeonholing people that actually do have that diagnosis, that they will never change, that this is who they always are going to be. And I truly believe that healing your inner child, working through your trauma at a deep level, practicing forgiveness, you can move through any mental illness. I believe that some mental illnesses, um, those people have a better understanding of what reality is here, but it's too hard for everybody else to, to accept because it's not comfortable. It's not the norm that we've been treated to, or we've been trained to believe in. So therefore they're immediately just placed in a corner, right? Like, Oh, you're, you're, you're weird. You've got bipolar, you've got schizophrenia, you've got all of these things. Um, I truly do not, believe that um and, and again yeah. these are my beliefs no, and through you. my story sure. um and what i've been through but even working with a, a multitude of clients who come to me and carry diagnoses and, and are on very heavy medications the journey is never about getting them off medications or getting them uh, you know no, to no longer carry a diagnosis the journey is to just get them to a place of internal peace and happiness and I will tell you, yeah. when they do, there's no need for it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm 100% with you. I mean, even before I started all this work myself, um, my wife and I were teachers for about 10 years, um, Montessori teachers. So if, I don't know how much you know about educational philosophies, but Montessori is very much a life life philosophy before it's an educational philosophy. But in 10 years, and we're talking middle schoolers where – everything's changing and we have to find a way reason for everything, whatever that is. Um, but ADHD is one of those. It's like, okay, that explains everything. Check. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in 10 years there was one child. And I, I mean, every year there was at least 30 or 40 kids in my classroom, one child out of 10 years, I can absolutely say he was diagnosed with that and take out like, all the other things that go along with that he's there's there's still a beautiful child but i mean there were things interventions that would like absolutely needed to happen not Mm -hmm. because of anything like wrong they did but they were truly healing for them and i mean we're talking years and years ago but you know it's still the same story today that we 
we put that on somebody, child or adult, almost to ease our minds versus like, you know, what's truly beneficial for them. But I'm 100% with you that I think for the person that's diagnosed with it, they see things a lot clearer and different than than we do. Um, And I think for the rest of us, like what we have to do with it is just look at it in the sense that, okay, that's, that helps guide my education towards what I need to do and, and what I need to, to kind of pay, pay attention to, to get me, you know, to, to speak to them, you know, in a way that's going to be loving and compassionate and, you know, accepting. Um, right. No, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that one. And it's, it's frustrating, you know, to see, um, yeah. especially with people that do the work for it is like, you know, you get caught up with looking for an answer and it's like, here's 10 ways to, to, manage your anxiety. Here's six reasons, six ways to, to kick depression to the curb. And it's like, it's like you said, I mean, no idea what life is going to throw at you. You can't say that, you know, but Mm -hmm. I think having, you know, a label at least gets you to the point that, okay, this is, this is how I get to, to navigate the world. And now I understand that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And I, but I think like that label, it, I do believe that Does. certain things need to be crutches and certain opportunities aren't available to us yeah. anymore. And, and sometimes we use it as a scapegoat. I mean, I know I did, I did it yeah. when I had the diagnosis because sure. it's a lot easier than trying to figure it out because there's not support for it. Right. There's support for sure. like, here's another right. medication. Here's, you know, such a quick fix. So yeah. So on, on your path now, as you look at today and, and going forward, what's, what's the inspiration that, that drives you um, day in and day out? Is it, you know, looking back at what you've been through or, um, you know, something more external or a combination of, of both? Constant inspiration um, is that quote by Ram Das. We're all just walking each other home. And I know, I truly believe the teacher becomes the learner through teaching and the learner becomes the teacher through learning, you know, that reciprocal um, event. And I know how important it is. And I, I know that I want to go home. I'm ready to go home um, in the aspect of breaking free of this illusion. And the way to get there is, is to practice forgiveness and love um, and just walk one another home. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever heard that phrase and I, I'm so glad I found it today here. So I appreciate you sharing that yeah. and thank you for sharing your story. What's your story is produced by me, JD with background piano music by Chad Lawson. These beautiful, inspiring, wonderful stories. They're all yours listener. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tell your story. If there's something that rang a bell with you today or something that truly touched your heart in today's episode, let me know by sending me an email at jd.jedi at fragilemoments.org. Or you can just tag the show at at story sharing pod on Twitter as well as Instagram. Thanks once again for choosing to listen. And I look forward to hearing your story one day. Because we all have within us a story to tell, a song yet unsung.